0: Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm. Political, spiritual, maybe some lies while you're listening to Phyllis Faber.
1: Listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. We are so glad that you have joined us here this Sunday afternoon, and we want to continue our conversation uh, this afternoon. We are so glad to have uh, State Representative Bullock on the air with us today, Uh, and now we want to follow that up by talking about some of the issues that we're dealing with in the local community with the police uh, and the local community itself. Uh, And I'm so very thankful and so grateful to have in the studio with us today, uh, Sergeant George Morris. He is a deputy sheriff uh, here in Philadelphia. But watch this. He's fifth generation law enforcement uh and 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 again philly's favorite listeners he can give us firsthand knowledge uh, of what's going on out there uh in these streets uh and how we can have a better relationship with those that have been tasked with defending us uh and preserving the rights of all in the community
2: let me welcome into the pastor's office sergeant george moore sergeant moore's welcome thank you thank you pastor mason for the invite uh, i'm grateful to be here uh On your radio station, the pastor's office, Uh, first and foremost, let me just uh, state my disclaimer before we proceed. Go right ahead. Uh, My First Amendment right, which, which includes my freedom of speech that I'm about to exercise on this platform, does not reflect the official views of my agency, my department, or of the city of Philadelphia
1: all right all right now now can we get down to it
2: yes sir you ready all right all right (laughs) now first of
1: all here's what i want i got to know now so i'm second generation preacher yes Uh, second generation was tough enough yes but you are fifth generation law enforcement that means you could never get in trouble when you were young you got to tell our listeners a little bit about that
2: yes yes it's uh you know it's a lot on you you know hearing hearing the history of your uh your family's legacy in law enforcement uh on my father's side, uh, where I got my name from, uh, hearing that my uh, my great great grandfather Nathan Morris was a one of the first black Philadelphia police officers. Then uh, he had a, he had sons uh, George Morris Senior and Frank Morris. They went on to become Philadelphia police officers. Then my great grandfather uh, had my grandfather George Morris Junior, who had my father George Morris the Third, and uh, he went into law enforcement. He was a military. Uh, Army and also in the Marines, and he wants to be a uh, corrections officer up at Greaterford. Then you come down to me, George Morse IV, uh, who stumbles upon a career in law enforcement, and I'm uh, wound up at the sheriff's office. Now I'm a uh, deputy sheriff sergeant, uh, recently promoted uh, within the last year.
1: Well, first of all, congratulations on your promotion.
2: Thank but, you, But, sir.
1: but i got to ask you, uh, y- your family has gone down through the generations serving the city of Philadelphia. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the people that I do a lot of research on, and I'm fascinated with this history, uh, there's some good and there's some bad, uh, but I've got to imagine that one of your relatives actually served on the force when Rizzo was commissioner. Yes. Uh, uh, is there, is there, and I know I'm going off topic, but is there anything that they've ever sat around the table and said about Frank Rizzo.
2: Yes, that would be my, my grandfather. He's still living, uh, George Morse Jr. He worked in the Rizzo era. Uh, Rizzo was the police commissioner at the time. And uh, my grandfather was actually, uh, he made the cover of Philly Talk magazine. Uh, he had a photo on the cover of that magazine. That was featured in the recent uh, interview that I was featuring on on 6ABC. Okay, And that was tough times for uh, the black community in Philadelphia. It was a lot going on. And, uh, you know, I used to go to him and talk to him before I actually took the exam to become a, a law enforcement officer. You know, ask him what kind of things did he deal with? How did, you know, your friends, how did you do that? And he, he gave me some lessons and, you know, saying that you, you may have to change your friends, you know, going into this profession, you know, coming from the neighborhood. Because he grew up in South Philadelphia and uh, he worked out of the 22nd District when he came into policing.
1: Now, now you grew up in in what neighborhood here in Philly? The Southwest Philadelphia so, section. So, so you got some homeboys out there that you grew up with yep. uh and 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 I'm sure they knew that when you were growing up that you were from a law enforcement family, but eventually you came back and said, "Well, guess what, guys? I I'm going in the same
2: direction." How did they mm-hmm. react to that? Well, it um uh, coming from the neighborhood, you know, uh I was always a active guy growing up. I was an athlete. Uh I was the music. I was the entertainment. Nobody uh, seen me going forward in law enforcement because, you know, I didn't carry myself in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to create my own lane, uh, Played high school football at Bartram. I was a running back. We're in the Frankfurt area right now. Frankfurt has some good uh, football teams as well. We played against them in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this came upon me um, as my life had deterred from football and I left uh, college in the first semester and I had to start making money and putting – you know, helping out in the family and start taking jobs. And then uh, down the line, I took a position with the city of Philadelphia.
1: Mm-hmm. So, so um, first of all, I got to tell you, I, I could tell that you had a musical background, uh, by the way. And I, my board op looked at you too, where you said microphone check one, two, one, two. <laughs> so we, so we, so we knew there was some music in your yeah. background somewhere. So yes. we, 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 we appreciate that. Uh, uh-huh. So you get into law enforcement, your fifth generation, yes. man, listen, your relatives that preceded you, yes, they didn't have to deal with some of the things you're dealing with today. No, um, this is a different day and age. It's different, uh, and I, I, I like to think that that we've that we've grown as a society, but yes. in a lot of cases, it looks like we have regressed. Uh, what is it like to be a young brother uh, yes. on this police force? today uh, in the time of George Floyd, in the time of Ahmed Aubrey, in the time of, in the time of Wallace, Walter Wallace, what's it like to be a young brother on the force today in
2: leadership? Yes, it's it's tough. Um, You know, it can, it can weigh on your mental uh, conscious. 2020 was a traumatic year for the black community when it came to coming into contact with uh, police across the country. Um, And just being a, a black, black man in law enforcement, you know, sometimes, you know, thinking, especially when. When you look on the screen, you see Breonna Teller going down your timeline. You see George Floyd going down your timeline, and they become hashtags. And then you hear the national outcry, and you and you hear the, uh, you know, just just the things and the protests and things that w- that are going on. They, you know, the community doesn't doesn't want this from, you know, law enforcement. You know, so it starts uh, to affect you uh, mentally, and it can affect your performance on the job um, when you have to compress your emotions, go into the job, put this uniform on, and still go out and protect and serve. Um, it can make you question, you know, do I belong here? And, but then you do belong here because you have people counting on you to be there for them and to speak up for them and be a voice for them because you come from them.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that's, that's one thing I can appreciate is the voice from them. But, but when you see these situations, uh, let, let's look at Walter Wallace, you oh, know, yes. a, a, a clear mental call. Uh, It it was a site call, Uh, but because uh, resources aren't there, there was nobody that that could handle that. Uh, So they sent um, basically regular beat cops out uh, to deal with him who did not know how to deal with somebody who the police had been called on over 40 times already. Uh, When you see something like that happen, you know, I'm a pastor. I I, 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 I claim the Holy Spirit, but when I see that, when I see a knee on a neck, when mm-hmm. I see those things, some of that old stuff comes out of me, yes, uh, and 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 it, it it gets me, it gets me in a place that I don't want to be, I and understand. I quickly have to pray and pull back. Yeah. But how is that for a police officer? If the pastors and the preachers can get hot, I know the police officer uh, can get hot as well. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yes, uh, you know, you have to. You you are a black man first. Uh, before you uh, put the badge on it, put the blue uniform on. So, you know, these things are going to happen. You're going to be made aware of them, especially if you're conscious of, you know, current times that we're living in. And, uh, you know, the community, they're going to voice their concerns. You're going to hear from the people, you know, your family members, your neighbors. And, you know, you went through the training with these guys and, and, and women in law enforcement, so you know how we assess scenarios and, you know, things of that nature. A lot of people don't know that. Uh, law enforcement officers we do we are justified in uh, using force against someone with a knife mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that i would use force against someone with a knife because i may feel more comfortable mm-hmm. dealing with that person and trying to use my de-escalation sure. skills in that situation uh because i i'm actually from that area that that west philly section uh of philadelphia so you know it just goes back to uh you know officer discretion um you know how you deal with certain scenarios and, and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sit well with me sometimes, you know, certain scenarios, all situ, all scenarios and situations that uh, police encounter are not the same.
1: Let's talk a little bit about, about the community itself. Yeah. Um, there's a trust issue uh, in the black community uh, with, with, with those that have been uh, deputized as it were to protect and defend, to serve and protect um, how do we overcome that issue of trust? How do we overcome the the negative relationships between the police and the community, so that we all we all want the same outcome, right? We yes. want safety. Yes, uh, we want our children to be able to go to school uh, without having to worry about violence uh, uh, being perpetrated upon them. We all want the same outcome, but why can't we get along?
2: There has to be um, relationship. Between the police and the community, uh, the police are the watchmen of these communities that they that they protect and serve in, uh, and we can we can look at it as a you know we got to break down cultural barriers. Some of the police in the community may not be Philadelphia natives; they may be from the surrounding counties of Philadelphia. So you have to build those relationships with your uh, your block captains, your your recreation centers, um, your barber shops. Uh, your community leaders, uh, your black owned businesses, you know, go in, you know, touch base with these uh, these business owners. Uh, let them know that you, you know, you're interested in a community. But are we doing that, though?
1: And, 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 and let me let me let me let me deal with this neighborhood in general. Yes. Uh, um, um, I, I drive here every day. I'm, I'm here seven days a week. Yes, sir. Um, And and I often see the police positioned on the corner, okay. um, one corner or another corner, but they're talking to each other. Okay. You know, today I walked by them about six cops.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Posted talking to each other. Yes. But my thought is, wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it serve the community better if they were actually walking around in the community, dropping by the businesses, talking to the yes. owners, but they're talking to each other. And I'm listen, I don't want nobody putting a ticket on my car tonight. I'm not trying to <laughs> knock police officers, that, you know. Yes, uh, yes. But but I'm just thinking, if you're patrolling, yes. why not
2: move touch around? base? Yeah. Yes. Uh, now you're you're talking about community policing, and uh, you know just uh, getting in, into your community. Uh, you know, getting to know your your residents and your and your community people. Um, and you got to build those relationships. You got to you know, even though you may be. A officer from Mata County or from a different state, but you, you work here in Philadelphia. So, you know, you have to show them that you're interested and in, you are a stakeholder in this community. You may not, you know, be familiar with Frank- Frankfurt area, but, you know, let the, the residents of Frankfurt know that you are there for them to hear protecting and serve them
1: so the mayor was on a few weeks ago yes. um, actually i think um, a little over a month and we talked about this issue of policing in the community yes uh... and the question i asked him which i will also pose to you uh, wouldn't it be wonderful uh, if the police officers that patrolled Southwest Philadelphia were from Southwest Philadelphia, uh, if the police officers that that patrolled North Philadelphia were, in many respects, in many cases, from North Philadelphia, uh, it, it just seems to me that if I'm able to call Joe, uh, uh, shout him down when he's about to do something wrong, and he knows we went to school together, or yeah. our parents know one another, or yeah. whatever, that I'm going to have a better shot at De-escalating a situation than if I've never been in this community before, I was assigned here. Why, is that? Not a good idea. I, 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 you're the second person I'm asking. Why can't we do that? Why doesn't that work?
2: Yes, uh, we need more officers in a community that reflect that community because representation matters. Uh, it's easier said than done uh, for that to be implemented, but I am a fan of uh, having officers in a community that do, that do reflect that community. I don't know if they can narrow it down to the officer being from North Philly, so he patrols North Philly. Just being from the city of Philadelphia, you should be able to go into Germantown, go into South Philadelphia, come up into Frankfurt or into Long Crescent. You know, just uh get a feel with the neighborhood. You know, put your feet on the ground and, you know, touch base with the people. Get to know your youth and your community, which youth may be at risk. You know, you may need to, uh, you know— go see what that youth is dealing with in his home. See, see if it's a single parent home. Is is he being raised by his grandmother? Uh, I'm a, a person that was raised by my grandmother and my grandma instilled some, uh, some valuable principles into me and raised me and I'm just trying to make her proud.
1: So when I look at, um, when I look at the job that you have to do every day, yes, sir. uh, one of the things, um, as a matter of fact, let me backtrack. um, I was doing a paper uh, about a year and a half ago on pastor burnout. Wow. Uh, and and what I found with pastor burnout is that the suicide rate amongst pastors is off the charts I because that, of the stress of the job. Uh, think about it. You're the one that's always called on to bury you know, to go out and bury somebody else's dead. You're you're the one that's always called on to go to the hospital. You're the one that's the surrogate father for the children that don't have fathers. And I noticed that that burnout rate and that suicide rate were out of control, Um, and and so I thought about it when I knew you were coming in today, Mm -hmm. you talked about the stress of the job. Uh, I noticed that you created something called, or you're a part of something called Black Men Run uh, that kinda allows you to get rid of some of that stress. Uh, Tell our listeners a little bit about Black Men Run, but also tell them other ways that you can kinda decompress from what can be a pressure cooker situation.
2: Yes, so uh, I'm a part of a, a running group and uh, it's a national running group, actually. But I'm a part of the, uh, the Black Men Run Philadelphia chapter. I serve as a vice captain. Uh, it's a healthy brotherhood of black runners. Uh, we encourage health and wellness among African-American men. We particularly try to run in communities of color throughout Philadelphia. So, you know, the, the people in the community can see us. We have runs through North Philadelphia, through West Philadelphia. We come in and out of South Philadelphia. Um, it's I joined back in 2015. Um, it's a great group, group of brothers. We have brothers from all different uh, professional backgrounds. Um, you can come and fellowship and network and get to learn some things about real estate, get to learn some things about the IT world. Um, you can come and talk about things that you may be dealing with uh, in your home, in your household, because it's a safe space for black men uh, to be in. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to be there and be able to serve as the vice captain.
1: Listen, I, I, I could I could use some running. Now anybody can join. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, I'm, I'm a pastor that's eating too much chicken and too much uh, sweet potato pie, so I, yes. I, I need to join Black Men Run as well. Yeah, we got you, Pastor Mason. I'm joining, brother. Now listen, you also have gotten into broadcasting. Uh, I saw yes. that you have your own podcast, uh, Black Voices Behind the Blue Wall. Yes. Um, what, one, what caused you to get into broadcasting? And then talk to us a little bit about what you cover on that podcast and tell folks how they can get to you.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the, so the podcast I started was called uh, Black Voices Behind the Blue Wall. And I launched that uh, shortly after the recent interview I did with 6ABC Visions uh, for Black History Month. Uh, so I created that to be a safe space for black law enforcement professionals and first responders Um, I like to highlight them, shed light on them, uh, thank them for their services and talk about what they have going on outside of the job. You know, you know, just like myself, I'm a member of black men run. This person may be a chef outside of the job, uh, serving a community. This person may be, uh, you know, a father that deals with, uh, autism or, you know, he's an autism activist or advocate and, you know, whatever someone is doing to serve their community outside of just, uh, Public service. I want to highlight these black men and women and uh, give them a voice because people don't hear from us. They just see us put this uniform on and go to work. And, and, you know, the ball just keeps on rolling, you know, through through the George Floyd era, through the Breonna Tellers and, uh, you know, through this pandemic. And it's just been tough on everybody, the community and officers that uh, serve these communities.
1: Now, where can we find your podcast?
2: So I'm streaming on on every uh streaming platform you can find my podcast on uh Spotify you can find it on Apple Podcasts you can find it on uh let's say Anchor um just just look it up Black Voices Behind the Blue Wall I'm your host George Morrison and you'll hear from uh so far I've re- recently interviewed some uh firefighters I have some uh policemen I have some sheriffs I have some uh, attorneys uh good content good uh, information, good insight, good informative resources that that the community needs to hear and just uh, educating our people and uh, just keeping them in the know what's going on.
1: Well, Sergeant Morris, I want to thank you. Yes, uh, for coming so. in today. Uh, I can absolutely tell that the four generations that preceded you yes. uh, in law enforcement certainly would be proud of what you're doing today. Uh, and I want to thank you for what you're doing in our communities. And listen, it is my prayer and my hope that this was our first conversation, but I always share with the guests of this show that we believe in taking action at this radio station and so I want you to know we're going to be reaching out to you because we have some projects that we're working on uh, uh, an innocence project that we're about to take up Uh, there's certain things that we're doing, so this, I like this to be a family that we're pulling together to make a difference, I'm not just about talking, we just move on with our lives, so again, Thank you for making time to be with us Thank today. You. We're going to follow your podcast today. Yes. Downloaded Black Voices Behind the, the Blue, Blue Wall, Wall. Uh, yes. with Sergeant George Morris. Yes. And listen, man, keep on doing what you're doing. God bless you. We're Thank praying you. for you and we'll talk to you real Thank soon. Thank you, Pastor Mason.
0: Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Mm-hmm. Political, spiritual, maybe some lies while you're listening to Phyllis Faber. For a minute, just for a minute Let's talk about it just for a little little while. while